Hello, this is Daryl Bloodworth of the Episcopal Church of the Good Shepherd in Maitland. Uh, this is Lesson 15 uh, of the, our discussion of the Gospel of John, and we are in Chapter 14. We begin with verses 1 through 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father." I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. Jesus' farewell discourse with the disciples began in the previous chapter. It continues in earnest in this chapter. At the end of this chapter, Jesus and the disciples will leave the upper room where the Last Supper, the foot washing, and Jesus' exchange with Judas occurred. They will head to Gethsemane, a garden outside Jerusalem, where Jesus often met with his disciples, where after a time of intense prayer, Jesus will be arrested, beginning a series of events that will lead to the cross. In the previous chapter, Jesus talked about some troubling things with the disciples. He will be betrayed. He's going to a place they can't follow. And Peter, the leader among the disciples, is told he will deny Jesus three times before morning. In this chapter, Jesus offers reassuring words. He tells them not to let your hearts be troubled. Although he's going away, he's going to prepare a place for them. He also promises to come back and take them to be with him. Undoubtedly, the anxiety in the room would have eased somewhat as Jesus spoke these comforting words. There's also an honest exchange between Jesus and the disciples as Jesus speaks to them. In fact, he will be interrupted three times by different disciples as he speaks to them. The first interruption is by Thomas, who speaks for all the disciples when he says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus has made the statement that he is going away several times over the past few chapters, both to the disciples and to the public audiences. They are still struggling with the idea of their master, whom they have followed for three years, is going away. Remember, they believe he is the Messiah, and therefore he is the one that is to restore the kingdom to Israel. The Romans will be kicked out, and Israel will return to being a leading nation of the world. That was their understanding of what the Messiah would do. 
Jesus' statement that he is going away is inconsistent with all they have been expecting of him and inconsistent with all they thought their own futures would be. So Thomas' statement was on the mind of every one of them. As he will do with the other questions they will ask this night, Jesus points to himself. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus has used other figures of speech previously, such as being the gate for the sheep. All of these figures of speech deal with the question of how they are to have a proper relationship with God, one in which they are living in harmony with and in obedience to the Father. Jesus is trying to show them that is the real issue for them, not whether Israel will again take its place as a leading nation or whether they will hold high positions in the restored Israel. And to have that relationship with God, it must come through Jesus, for he is the way to the Father. In fact, as Peter will announce to the Sanhedrin court in the fourth chapter of Acts, there is no other name under heaven whereby we may be saved. Jesus is here also telling the disciples that if they want to know the truth about God, how he loves them, how they should live to please the Father, they should look to him. He embodies the truth. He is the truth, the living truth. And he is also the life, the very life of God. By trusting in Jesus, we enter into the life of God through him. It's not by accident the church is known as the body of Christ. These are the truths Jesus is trying to get the disciples to understand as his time on earth grows short. He realizes they still don't fully understand, but he knows they will understand later once he has fulfilled all the Father has sent him to do. When Jesus says in verse 7 that to know him is to know the Father, Philip is the next to interrupt. Philip asks Jesus to show them the Father and they will be satisfied. It's not an unreasonable request, but in asking, Philip is acting somewhat like the crowds that asked for a sign even after they had seen sign after sign. Philip and the other disciples have heard the voice from heaven on several occasions. They have seen all the miracles, and they have heard Jesus say repeatedly, He is not speaking on his own, but only what he hears from the Father. So if they truly believe what Jesus had been saying all along, they would know that Jesus and the Father are one. But being human, they still wanted to see the Father in person for themselves. At that point, it would no longer require faith to believe in God, for they would have seen him face to face. We can hear the disappointment in Jesus as he asks Philip, How can you have been with me so long and still not understand that the Father and I are one? By now they should have all recognized that Jesus is perfectly aligned with the will of the Father. He has said repeatedly he didn't come to act on his own, but was sent by the Father. All that he has done and said has been directly from the Father. So Jesus is saying, if after hearing and seeing all of that, you can't believe me when I say the Father and I are one, then you should at least believe me because of the works that I've done that could only have come from God. It's a rebuke, although a mild one, to all the disciples for their continued lack of faith. But Jesus follows that up with a promise to them that should have brought great encouragement. In verses 12 through 14, Jesus tells them they will do greater works than he has done, and he will grant them any prayer they ask in his name. Exactly what Jesus meant by those statements has been interpreted very differently throughout the history of the Christian church, including the present. 
What is undisputed, however, is that whereas Jesus only taught and preached in Israel and nearby areas, his message has been spread throughout the entire world by his followers. Likewise, the healing miracles that Jesus performed were on a limited number of people in a small part of the world. Jesus' followers have taken the healing power of Jesus throughout the entire world. People have been healed wherever the name of Jesus has been proclaimed, through the establishment of hospitals and through prayer throughout the entire world. When we pray in accordance with God's will, which is what praying in Jesus' name means, God answers our prayers. Remember, even when Jesus healed the lame man at the pool of Bethesda, there were many others there who were not healed by Jesus. The fact that not everyone is healed does not distract from the miracle of the one who was healed by Jesus. Likewise, the fact that not everyone is healed today does not distract from the fact that many are healed today through the efforts of Christian doctors, nurses, and hospitals, and through the prayers of faithful Christians following the admonition of Jesus that we love and care for one another. Let's continue now with verses 15 through 31 of chapter 14. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, because he abides with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. In a little while the world will no longer see me, but you will see me, because I live, you also will live. On that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. They who have been my, they who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me, and those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, Those who love me will keep my word, and my Father will love them. And we will come to them and make our home with them. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but is from the Father who sent me. I've said these things to you while I am still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I am coming to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father, because the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you this before it occurs, so that when it does occur, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no power over me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us be on our way. After telling the disciples they will do greater things than he's done, in in verse 12, Jesus turns to the relationship between obedience and loving him. Verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Verse 21, the one who keeps my commandments is the one who loves me. Verse 23, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Verse 24, the one who doesn't love me will not keep my words. Verse 31, I love the Father just as the Father commanded me, so I do. 
So the conclusion is that those who love him will obey him. So we must know his commandments and commit ourselves to obeying him. Saying we love Jesus while ignoring what he taught is not an option for the Christian. Jesus recognizes that being obedient to him all of the time will be difficult. Look at the great difficulty the Israelites had over the centuries in their efforts to be obedient to God. So he promises to send the disciples a helper, a counselor, an advocate, a comforter. The Greek word is parakletos, and it has been translated using all of those words depending upon the context. Jesus, of course, is telling them he will send the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will act as helper, counselor, advocate, and comforter. He's the spirit of truth. Jesus is the truth. The world will not accept the spirit, even as it has not accepted Jesus. The spirit will live in them as the Father lives in Jesus. Jesus will not leave them as orphans. In other words, comfortless. He will send the spirit to them. Finally, Jesus and the spirit are one, just as Jesus and the Father are one. The third interruption comes from the other Judas, not Iscariot. He asks in verse 22 why Jesus will reveal himself to the disciples, but not to the whole world. This is a logical question for the disciples to ask. How would Jesus go about kicking out the Romans and setting up the new kingdom of Israel without revealing himself to the world? Rather than respond directly to Judas' question, Jesus returns to the theme of obedience being the sign of love for him, reminding them that the word he is giving them is from the Father. The disciples will come to understand what Jesus was talking about after his resurrection. Jesus did not appear to all following his resurrection, but only to his followers. Had Jesus intended to be the Messiah the Jews were expecting, he would undoubtedly have appeared to all as he assumed an earthly throne. But that was not the intent of the Father. Jesus came to set up a spiritual family, the church, on earth. And it was to the believers alone that he would appear after his resurrection. In verses 25 to 31, Jesus is summing up what he has told the disciples this evening as they prepare to leave the upper room and head to Gethsemane. He tells them the Holy Spirit will remind them of all he has taught them. He also tells them he will leave his peace with them. The peace they will come to know is not the kind of peace the world gives. The peace he gives does not depend upon the circumstances of the moment. It's the assurance that they are in the will of God. He also reminds them not to be troubled or afraid. He has told them he was going away, but also that he would come to them. They should be happy that he is going to the Father. He also reminds them that he is telling them all of this so they will understand and believe once these things come to pass. And he also reminds them that the ruler of this world, Satan, has no power over him. What he is about to do, go willingly to the cross, is because it is the will of the Father. And he will submit to God's will so the world will know he loves the Father. There are echoes of John 3.16 in this statement. Jesus is about to demonstrate in his own life how great is God's love for us and the lengths to which the Father and the Son will go to redeem his people from their rebellion against the Father and the Son. Even as Jesus is speaking these words to his disciples, 
Judas Iscariot is going to the high priest to offer to lead the temple police to where Judas knows Jesus will be. Jesus knows his time with the disciples is now very short. It is not a long walk from the walls of Jerusalem across the Kidron Valley to Gethsemane. Jesus will give his remaining instructions to his disciples as they make their way to Gethsemane. Rise and let us be on our way, Jesus says. We will pick up with a continued discussion in the next lesson.